0: Hi there welcome back to on scene brought to you by scene in the west metro magazine we're here for you every month bringing you the sounds and stories of the twin cities west metro i'm adam kwan
1: and i'm nicole brodzik and today we're going to take you to a couple of the west metro's hidden gems we'll get a lesson on wine from shram vineyards winery and brewery later in the episode but we start our may tour of this beautiful area with a round of mini golf in miniatrista There are two entrances to Big Stone Mini-Golf. One takes you up a dirt road where you'll pass a giant metal rooster, a few houses, a big yellow barn, and take a right into the gravel parking lot. The other is off the Dakota Rail Trail, and the best direction I can give you
0: there is to follow the sound of the goats. Big Stone is not like any other mini-golf course I've ever been to. You walk up to the clubhouse, you pay, grab your own clubs and balls. So far, pretty normal, right? However, you can also grab some goat feed for the pen full of goats right inside the entrance.
1: And there are two brand new additions to that goat pen. I got to meet Midnight and Sparkle when I went back to talk to the course's owner, Bruce Stillman.
0: Yeah,
2: we just had two baby goats about two weeks ago now, uh, Midnight and Sparkle, (laughs) we call them, and uh, they're doing good.
0: So the goats are cool and all, but they're more of a fun addition to the main attraction here, which is, of course, the golf course. Each hole on the course doubles as a sculpture piece, so it's kind of like a museum, but like a cool one where you can touch all the art. The mini golf course is drawing people in from all over the Twin Cities.
1: We talked to a few of them when we went back to play a round of golf a few weeks ago. This is Rich from St. Paul. His daughters had the day off school, and they were out at Big Stone for the first time.
2: Well, it just seemed like a fun day trip from St. Paul, and uh, the sculptures seemed like they could be interesting, and they're beautiful. We had no idea what we were going to find, and that's... Um, It's exceeded our expectations in lots of ways. It's really beautiful. The pumpkin sculpture is so remarkable, and the boat,
1: and
0: just everything.
1: So what Rich was talking about there at the end were two holes that Bruce has named, the Pumpkin Patch and Holy Ship.
0: And in case you were worried, that was Holy Ship. With a P.
1: Yes, okay, so they're sculptures he created out of boulders, metal, and an old rusty ship. I'll let him explain how they became art and a part of the mini golf course.
2: The pumpkin patch hole is made up of these found field stones. And then with a diamond wheel, you cut in the the ribs of the pumpkin. And then you can actually carve those stones with a torch. It makes it look natural again. So I made a bunch of these pumpkin vine benches, actually. I designed them so you could sit on the leaves.
0: And we did just that while we were playing our round of golf. The next hole on the course is the one we mentioned a little bit earlier that involves the old boat. It's flipped upside down, and you actually put underneath the hull.
2: Uh, there's a guy that repairs boats on Lake Minnetonka. Uh, he had 40 acres of a bunch of old boats, and the steel hull Chris craft roamer they used to rust out from the inside. They waterproofed them well on the outside, but water would go through the floorboards, and I bought it, and took out the engines and turned it upside down, cut a bunch of holes in the side, and put in these colored windows.
1: So when the sun shines on top of the ship, it actually looks kind of like stained glass you see in churches, hence the name.
0: And because Bruce designed the entire place, we asked him if he had a favorite sculpture or hole on the course. Um, you know, I kind of like
2: them all, but the last hole's kind of fun. It, I started off uh, cutting this trench in a rock, on a level rock, which winds around. If you ever look at rivers when you're up in an airplane, the rivers just wind back and forth, just the way they carve themselves out. And uh, so you kind of putt your ball. It falls into where we pump the water on one side of the river, and and your ball just winds all the way around and falls through a hole, and and then we end up keeping the ball. It's our last hole. But, uh, It's kind of an art piece itself. When you have all these different colored balls, you can send them through the river, and they're kind of moving in all directions. I'm like a big kid. It's fun to play with.
0: (laughs) So it's a really cool design, but it takes a really long time for your ball to go all the way through, which I guess gives you a little time to admire the art. Bruce said he's been getting record crowds every year since he opened the course almost 15 years ago.
2: A lot of times he... Have people say, oh, we've heard about you, but we didn't know it would be like this. You know, it's hard to explain. It's kind of a nice rural setting with nature and mini golf and other activities. We have a giant chess set and a tabletop shuffleboard and uh, the roast marshmallows at the fire pit. And-
1: so the games in the fire pit he mentioned there are right in the middle of the golf course area. But Bruce also has a whole separate sculpture garden in the pasture people can also walk through. And he has a mini hop farm and a vineyard. Bruce said he's hoping he can eventually provide some of his hops to local breweries. And he told me his vineyard is producing
0: wine, but only about 50 bottles a year. Since you mentioned wine, let's move on to our next stop, where we'll hear about another local winery who had an issue creating enough wine at first. They actually sold out their entire first year of production. So before we get to that, here's a word from our parent publication, seen in the West Metro Magazine. On Scene is brought to you by Scene in the West Metro magazine, where you can read more about the stories you're listening to right now. You love where you live, and we've got the reasons why. Scene in the West Metro is a magazine focused on what makes life in the Twin Cities West Metro so great. Look for tips on what to eat, what to drink, and where to go in each new edition. Scene in the West Metro is delivered in your local Sun Patriot newspaper and is available to everyone online at westmetroscene.com. Aaron Schramm is one of the founders of Schramm Vineyard's winery and brewery in Maconia. He said he used to sit at his desk daydreaming about opening his own winery.
2: Over that period of time, I I got to realize that um, I spent about half my income in terms of just grapes and wine, and I was really fascinated with making wine. And then I kind of realized, why don't I actually start a winery in Minnesota, which sounded kind of crazy at the time.
0: And you
1: know what's even crazier than that? Telling a girl you're on a first date with that if she sticks with you, that's how her life is going to turn out. I don't think that personally I could handle that, but Ashley Shram is clearly a much braver woman than I am. She said she didn't know the first thing about
3: making wine, but that the unknown didn't scare her away from the challenge of opening a new business. We jumped into it together and um, bought the property in 2008. I had no idea what this was going to really involve. It's, I think it sounded very romantic and um, I was definitely up for an adventure and kind of a different lifestyle. Um, I think I didn't know exactly (laughs) the the manual hard labor and the amount of work that it really was going to take to get this going and up and running, but I'm just as involved and passionate about it as as he was. It took them five years, but today Shram Vineyards Winery and Brewery is open to the public
1: and is pumping out wine like Aaron used to make in his college days, only on a much larger scale. But it didn't start that way. Aaron and Ashley both said they have fond memories of the day
3: they first opened up back in 2013. Humble beginnings, I guess, is the best way to put it.
0: Aaron told us he was nervous about how the public would react to his wine. Would they like it? Would they come back? Uh,
2: Holy cow, if I could look back, um, I should have made a heck of a lot more wine that year. So (laughs) it was a good issue to have. Um, We ran out of wine the first year.
3: It's funny to think about it, actually, because we were just in that outdoor pavilion and... um, it was, I mean, it was. we didn't have anything to open up. There was no building, and we had outhouses for our bathrooms. And, I mean, I remember kind of standing behind the bar, and we were like, woo, ooh, there's a car!
1: <laughs> Customer! This year, they plan to make about 15 different varieties of wine, and they grow their own grapes on the vineyard. So there's about eight or nine different varieties, but these aren't the kind of
3: grapes you want to just eat. So the the grapes that we grow are primarily um Grapes that have been released from the University of Minnesota. The majority is going to be the Marquette, which is kind of the premier red grape, a cold hardy red grape we can grow here. And then we've got a lot of Frontenac Gris, Frontenac Blanc, sabrebois, So some are can sustain um, a single varietal and others we kind of use just for blending.
0: After the grapes are ripe, Aaron and Ashley get some help from their 4 and 6 year old to pick them off the vines. However, they also ship in some grapes and juice from other vineyards to make sure they can make enough.
1: Okay, so I've got to be honest here. I had to ask Ashley how they turn all those grapes into wine. Because in my head, I just picture that scene from I Love Lucy where she's in the giant barrel stepping on all the grapes.
0: All I picture is that YouTube video with the news lady stomping the grapes, but then she falls and makes this really weird scream. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it. Like now.
3: Basically, we pick the grapes. Um, you know, they're, they're brought in. We go through a crusher to stemmer, so it takes all the grapes off the stems. And then we press the wine, um, and again, they, they, depending on reds and whites and the styles, they might sit in these big, we call them macro bins, um, that kind of extracts the flavors out of the skins and the color okay. um, for reds. Um, and then we go through, um, press it, and then they go either into their
0: tanks and, or barrels. So I always assumed that wine was always stored in barrels, but like Ashley said, that's not the case. Reds, for the most part, are going to go in the barrels.
3: Whites usually go in the tanks. There are a few whites that we're experimenting right now in some specialty barrels that we're excited about for this year. Um, and then from that point, um, yeah, we just kind of continually um, taste and measure and kind of figure out once we get close to bottling what's the style going to look like.
1: And all of the magic happens in the barrel room. Ashley showed me around down there when I went back to visit. There are barrels all up and down the walls, and at the back of the room, there are a few of these huge tanks where they were working on some of the upcoming white wines.
2: Steve Boyd, I'm the vineyard manager here at Shram Vineyards.
1: And so what is in this guy? What did I just drink?
2: Frontenac Blanc Oak. So that just came out of our two large uh, 500-liter barrels.
1: What Steve is talking about here are the special barrels Ashley mentioned earlier. Laying on their sides, I bet they sit around three or maybe four feet tall. And the top and bottom of the barrels are made of a clear material, so you can see the wine while it's aging. And this kind of a barrel is really important when you're making white wine.
2: Uh, they don't have the heads on them, so what that does is it allows it to have a little bit less oak character than if it was a small barrel. Um, so that more surface area and not the heads makes it so it's going to be a little softer for a white wine.
0: Adam, are you a wine drinker? Uh Well, I'm trying, but I really prefer beer. So
1: fair enough. I really like sweet wine, and usually I get the cheap stuff. Like those $8 bottles of Moscato are my jam. But the one I got the taste at Shram's wasn't super sweet, and it definitely cost more like $8 a glass than a bottle, so I was a little nervous to try it. I was totally prepared to do that thing where you act like whatever a stranger is feeding you tastes good, even though you really don't like it. But this time I didn't have to. It wasn't as sweet as I usually like my wine, but I think it could be a good stepping stone into drinking like real big girl wine. Big girl wine. Huh. Yep. Big girl wine. Steve told me it'll be available soon along with a few other seasonal wines.
2: Wines usually for spring that's gonna be most of the white wine bottling and then going into fall is usually gonna be focusing on the red wines just because of the that's when they're drink more. So.
1: One cool way to get your hands on a bottle of that wine is to join Shram's Vine Club. You pay anywhere from about 50 to $75 a quarter, so that's four times a year, and you get two bottles of wine plus special discounts and a free tasting each quarter.
0: But if you prefer beer, like I do, they have a growler club too. That one will only run you $25 a quarter for a flight of beer, unlimited $10 growler refills, and discounts on events. If you're thinking about giving it a try, there's more information at their website, shramvineyards.com, under the Shram Club tab. And if you want to learn more about Tram Vineyards or Big Stone Mini Golf, you can find their stories in the May edition of Scene in the West Metro magazine or at WestMetroScene.com.
1: If you have a favorite place in the West Metro you think people should visit, send us an email at WestMetroScene at ECM-INC.com.
0: We're also now live on iTunes, so if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on anything in the West Metro this summer. We'll be back soon with another episode of On Scene. Until then, I'm Adam Kwan. And I'm Nicole Brodzik.
1: On Scene is brought to you by Scene in the West Metro Magazine. Music for On Scene is provided by Kevin McLeod. This show was edited by Nicole Brodczyk and reporting was done by Nicole Brodczyk and Adam Quant.